you're listening to the Eat Scripture Podcast with Eric and Gina Robinson. We are doing a series on the Psalms. Yes, And we today are. we're going to get to look at Psalm 45, mm-hmm. which is uh, a different kind of psalm. A little bit different than, than anything else. It has a little bit of difference from anything yeah. else. Yeah, I'm excited to talk about it. Mm-hmm. So um, thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing our podcast. Yep. Uh, if you're interested in any of the other stuff that we do in our ministry, mm-hmm. uh, that sounded bad stuff in our ministry. But, <laughs> All our stuff. Um, <laughs> you can go to eatscripture.com and just shoot us an email or something if you're yeah. curious about what we're doing. Yep. Message or email. And you can also, um, there's a donate button there if you're interested in partnering with us. Mm-hmm. So, without further ado, I think we should just get started. I think we should. Why don't we jump in? It's really beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think this is really interesting psalm, like we're saying, because it's a little bit different. As we walk through it here, we're going to find out as we're even hearing it for the first time, as we're reading it, maybe you're hearing it for the first time, you'll see it's a little bit, a little bit different, coming from a little bit different angle because of the subject matter itself. So we'll, we'll, we will discuss that as we go, but I think we'll start by reading verses 1 through 9. How's that sound? Okay. Sounds great. My heart overflows with a pleasing theme. I address my verses to the king. My tongue is like the pen of a ready scribe. You are the most handsome of the sons of men. Grace is poured upon your lips. Therefore, God has blessed you forever. Gird your sword on your thigh, O mighty one, in your splendor and your majesty. In your majesty, ride out victoriously for the cause of truth and meekness and righteousness. Let your right hand teach you awesome deeds. Your arrows are sharp in the heart of the king's enemies. The peoples fall under you. Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of your kingdom is a scepter of uprightness. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has appointed you with the oil of gladness, appointed, anointed you uh, with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. Your robes are all fragrant with myrrh and aloes and cassia. From ivory palaces, stringed instruments make you glad. Daughters of kings are among your ladies of honor. At your right hand stands the queen in gold of Ophir. Yes. Okay. Yes, gold of Ophir. Um, This is, you can already hear it coming out because we're talking about this king and his bride, um, the woman who he's about to marry. So what we really have here is probably originally some kind of royal wedding song right you know something yes that's used when the king got married and we don't even know which king we're talking about although some said solomon um and that's not you know unlikely just we can't be sure exactly which king um we may have been talking about at the beginning i think it's the only psalm with the designation in that um like superscript superscript Uh, of it being a love song yes yes you're right about that and so that's really interesting and you can hear it i mean it's it's definitely a song about this great groom Mm -hmm. who's a king yeah a royal somebody and he's about to get married and they're extolling his wonderfulness yes 
And then they talk about her too. Yes. Uh, very there. much in connection to him. But yeah, well, we yeah, right at yet. the end. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so in if we go back though to verse one, and we'll just watch how it starts here. So right after we have that note about this being a love song, um, like you said, right in the superscript there. Then we go into verse one, and the poet starts. And the poet really starts, like you said before. <laughs> the poet really starts by talking about how great. Get ready, man! I got some good words. Yeah. <laughs> I am about to speak some great words to you, buddy. And so, man, my tongue is ready to go. I got some cool stuff to say. <laughs> Um, and so that's what really verse one is is about. Um, so he's just kind of revving up to here comes a wonderful poem about you and your bride. Yeah. And then we get into verse two. You are, as it says in the ESV, the most handsome of the sons of men. Now that even there already, we probably got a little bit of a, even though that's very likely he's kind of playing on definitely how the king looks. But the but the word is really lovely, loveliest. Yeah, the loveliest. Uh, you are the loveliest of the sons of men. Mm-hmm. I understand why they don't use it in our like in our English translation yes. that way because it sounds a little more feminine. Mm-hmm. So we like uh, you're the most handsome one, yeah. man of all, you know. Yeah. But um, then how that is described? Grace is poured upon your lips. Mm-hmm. Therefore, God has blessed you forever. So it's not just about how he looks right it's this, it's, the beautiful words yes that come out of his mouth and yes and in that way uh, i would want to point out already let's go ahead and throw this out there that we're going to see it even much more as we go because we'll be because we'll have some tie-ins to our new testament but i would say that they would say the the new testament writers no question are going to say that this is directly connected to jesus yes. we see him do that yeah it's so, good for us to point that out right here at the beginning because yes. when you're hearing it, think about how this is describing Jesus as the mm-hmm. bridegroom. Yes. And the church is the bride. Yes. So even if verse 2, line 1, does use this most handsome, I don't think Jesus was the most handsome man who ever walked. I mean, from our standards, by our physical standards, the most ha- handsome man who ever walked in Israel. But from God's view, from the spiritual mm-hmm. view, Jesus was Most the loveliest from the inside of all people. Yes, exactly. And then that second line, grace is poured upon your lips. Well, yes, like no one ever. Grace is what comes from Jesus. And we exactly. hear it even in John chapter 1 where he says, grace, grace and upon truth. Grace, that's yeah. what, yes, grace upon grace. That grace and truth, that's what we found and saw in him. So we're already seeing that come out. And therefore, God has blessed you forever. Right. Forever. Yes. Because the truth of that can only come true in its greatest way in Jesus. Right. Really no man forever. could ever totally fulfill this. Yes. So right. even though, yes, originally it was written about somebody who was getting married. Building a king. Uh, it is m- most definitely pointing to Jesus mm-hmm. all the way through here. Yeah. So verse three, gird your sword on your thigh, O mighty one, in your splendor and majesty. Okay, so he looks very regal. He's a king and he's got a sword and he's got, so he's powerful and he's regal in all your splendor and majesty. I mean, he looks like a king. You yes. look at him and all decked out. He's, he's everything he's a, king a king is. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and then going on to verse four, in your majesty, 
ride out victoriously. Okay, so he's riding out in his on his horse mm-hmm. in victory. Yep, taking his sword with him. We're going out to fight for the cause of truth and meekness and righteousness. Yeah, which one of those doesn't really seem to fit? <laughs> meekness doesn't sound like you would think of something you would think of in this context about this battling right. king. It's a it's an odd word to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, the cause of meekness, and yet probably probably would mean in that original context how a king fights for those who are less fortunate in his king, the meek. Yeah. Um, but it's a perfect when description we think about of it Jesus. Jesus yes, then we would get the real picture. Yes, yeah. both he was meek and he also was there fighting. For yes, he was battling in lowest. his meekness. Yes. In the meekness, he was battling. That was where the real battle was. That's the crazy part about Jesus, about trying to understand him, wrap our heads around him. We so often want to pick up swords and fight for the way of Jesus. You know, yeah. that seems like the thing we would want to do. That's all. You you put down my king? Well, then get ready, bucko, because we're going at it, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we love that one. Bucko is a great word. I, I just, yeah, I remember from a TV show we were watching not that long ago. But anyway, yeah. It's just, I could hear it. You know, this is how we take somebody on. We're going to defend Jesus' yes. honor. This is what we do. But Jesus, when he fights, he fights in the meekness. Yes. It is through the meekness, with the meekness, being the very, I mean, and that was his greatest battle ever. And fighting in his meekness for the meek. Mm-hmm. It's, yep. yeah. Yeah. Yep. And for truth and for righteousness. Yes. All of those Without things. Question. But I just love that meekness is in there, in that description. Oh, yeah. I love that you pointed it out. So let your right hand, as it says in the ESV, teach you awesome deeds. And I probably should have looked up how they were translating in some other uh, places now. I kind of wish I did. But truly the word is not so much teach as point out, instruct, or as with an arrow to shoot something. To shoot something. And so so we're putting it in this context where we've got him riding out with his sword strapped to his thigh. And then we start talking about him. Um, and we've just talked, yeah, about his arrows. Oh, wow. um, we're going to talk about in verse 5 being sharp. Mm-hmm. Robert uh, Alter does translate that and let your right hand shoot forth terrors. Okay, shoot forth terrors. And so he's he's got him very much in that. Uh, context of in a battle mm-hmm. which is kind of what we mm-hmm. that's where we're going here so it's not just your right hand teaches you let's not no, let's I think leave that, that does in a kind very of, much of a and that's a little confusing because yeah. he's going out into battle this makes more sense yeah uh, and it, gets the meaning a little bit better let your right hand shoot forth terrors your sharpened arrows people fall beneath you yeah yeah so even if we only change that one word in our ESV, let your right hand shoot for you awesome deeds. Right. And um, in other words, yeah, you'll you'll be renowned for the way you've won in battle with your bow. Mm-hmm. You know. Yes. Um, and and certainly Jesus is renowned for the great battle that he's won, which he did in meekness, not not actually the way we would mm-hmm. think of violent battle, um, but that's the great part. Because Jesus won the other way. Your arrows are sharp in the heart of the king's enemies. The people fall under you. So yes, that's, he's shooting his arrows. He's using his sword, and he's defeating his enemies. Yes. Um, and Jesus did. I, I kind of like that he put this in a little bit different order. He said, "Your sharpened arrows, 
people fall beneath you mm. into the heart of the king's enemies. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. That just a little bit. It just the word order's a little bit different. Yes. Yeah. yeah, it is. Cool. Um, and so then we go on to verse six, and now we're we're gonna talk about how his reign mm-hmm. is going to go on now because yeah. what because he's defeated his enemies i mean his enemies have been put down and so verse i think six, this is a confusing to a lot of people because we've been talking about this king he's getting mm-hmm. married mm-hmm. he's going out into battle um this is his accomplishments in the past right. this is what he's been able to do and then it says your throne oh god yes this is it's forever and ever yep uh, wait a minute. Exactly. We're what? talking about a person, right? Uh, exactly. Uh, this is strange. Your God, your throne, O Elohim, is forever and ever, O God. The scepter of your kingdom is a scepter of righteousness. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, Elohim, your Elohim, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. Hmm. Sounds like some um, Trinity talk to me. Yes, <laughs> it sure does. And it sounded like that to the Hebrew writer in the New Testament. In Hebrews chapter 1, when the Hebrew writer is comparing the superiority of Jesus over angels, he quotes this very two verses we just read. And so it says, he says, of the angels... So in Hebrews 1, 7 is where I'm beginning of the angels. He says, he makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire. So that's God saying about the angels when he's inspiring the Holy Spirit, uh, inspiring the writing of the book, this book. Mm -hmm. He makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire. But of the sun, he says... Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of, unri- of uprightness in the, uh, is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with oil of gladness beyond your companions. So he's setting him as far above the age, not like angels, the Hebrew writer is saying. Look at this psalm, how this proves right. it. So then he quotes the psalm, this one we're reading right here, to say, see, talking about Jesus and how far superior he is to angels. And he doesn't even try to, like, couch it in some sort of historical, critical, you know, okay, the original writer didn't know what he was talking about um, when he was talking about Jesus, but I'm going to say it like Jesus said. He just makes the jump. He doesn't even have to to preface it. He just says, oh, this is written about Jesus. Yep. Yep. So I just love it. I mean, we're taking our cues from them when we go to the Old Testament and we hear something that's so much like Jesus, sounds like Jesus, that it's hard to deny. The Hebrew writer, I think, would say, well, then don't deny it. I mean, don't even try. Well, why are you trying so hard to fit it in some other historical, critical ideal? Just let it be what it is. If it sounds like Jesus, think of it as Jesus. Um, so he quotes this passage so we can come back now here and hear Jesus through this mm-hmm. and then he says your robe see the our passage goes on here and then and I think without question the Hebrew writer would want us to just continue this thought your robes are all fragrant with myrrh and aloes and cassia and from ivory palaces stringed instruments make you glad 
Daughters of kings are among your ladies of honor, and at your right hand stands the queen in gold above her. Now, all of that is may sound a little, you know, what all, all he's getting into here. We're not exactly sure. It's a sure. beautiful wedding. But it yes, even it's smells pretty good. wedding. And yes, exactly. <laughs> That's where we, it's beautiful. And, and it says in Ephesians 5 too that Jesus offered himself to God as a fragrant aroma. Right. And so to have the king talked about here is how his robes are all fragrant with myrrh and aloes and cassia. Mm-hmm. And that actually has two of those things that are named there. The myrrh and the cassia are both part of the incense that is offered up to God in the Holy of Holy, in the okay. Holy Place. So that's being offered up. This is going up before God. I mean, this is how the how we should see it, I think. And even when we um, read in Revelation 19 about the marriage supper of the Lamb, I hear some of this, and I'm going to go ahead and read it. It goes with several this part and maybe a couple others but uh, it says then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude like the roar of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder crying out hallelujah for the Lord our God the almighty reigns let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory for the marriage of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready it was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen bright and pure for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints um, and so I think it's describing the same picture mm-hmm. yeah this marriage supper that we're going to yeah. yeah now is this queen I just have a question real quick mm-hmm. um, is this queen that's standing at the right hand mm-hmm. in gold is mm-hmm. that the bride or is that the mother of the Ah, uh, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, that could be a good point. I didn't there. see anybody say anything about that, but... But it does, you know, it could be the queen mother that we're talking about here. It could easily be the queen mother. Um, at your right hand stands the queen. could be the queen mother. Yep, in gold of Ophir. Either of those actually makes some sense. Right. It's not impossible for it to be either one. Um, but... I don't know what I would say about where I would come down for sure. On and that. I don't know if we can be sure or even if it matters that much. But but either way, <laughs> I will I will add this. In 1 Kings 10, 11, gold of Ophir is used to build the temple. Okay. And so okay. we're the temple. Yes. We know. So we're the bride who are adorned in the gold of Ophir. And whether or not we're talking about Jesus' mother... In other words, the, the bride of Israel that was married to God, who gave birth to Jesus, right. that that is dressed in gold of Ophir, or we as as the temple, the New Testament temple, dressed in gold of Ophir. Um, and so, e- either way, uh, I think that is a neat illusion. Um, so. Now that we've come through verse 9, I think maybe um, we will continue by reading 10 through the end of this psalm before we talk about it. Okay, sounds great. Hear, O daughter, and consider and incline your ear. Forget your people and your father's house, and the king will desire your beauty. Since he is your Lord, bow to him. The people of Tyre will seek your favor with gifts the richest of the of, see, the richest of the people 
All glorious is the princess in her chamber, with robes interwoven with gold. In many colored robes she is led to the king, with her virgin companions following behind her. With joy and gladness they are led along as they enter the palace of the king. In the Let's see. In place of your fathers shall be your sons. You will make them princes in all the earth. I will cause your name to be remembered in all generations. Therefore, nations will praise you forever and ever. Mm. So, yeah, that part from Revelation is, of course, comes out really clearly. Right. Yeah. The bride is entering in her beautiful clothes. Mm -hmm. She's coming adorned in. And... To the wedding. Mm -hmm. Yes. Coming into the wedding. Uh, back in verse 10, hear, O daughter, and consider and incline your ear. So we're talking to the one who's coming to be married. Right. Yeah, now we're going to address that. It's that. also the word princess there that it says daughter. Yeah. Okay. Hear, O princess. Perfect. Uh, and so forget your people and your father's house. That's the first thing. Okay. Now, this is very poetic. Remember, nobody's asking her to renounce or act like you don't have a mom and dad. But comparatively to this husband, now you're right. becoming part of this house. You are He's leaving your your, their yeah, house. Your, yeah, exactly. And, you know, we have a niece getting married tomorrow. Yes. And so this whole uh, wedding psalm yeah. is very uh, apropos, but I'm thinking about, you know, she's leaving mm -hmm. her parents' home. Yeah. And yeah. she's and going really becoming part of a new become, household. It's a new family. Yes. Is being birthed tomorrow. Yep. And, uh, yeah. So even even in Matthew ten thirty seven, Jesus talks mm -hmm. about how you've got to love him more than your mother right. and your father. Luke fourteen twenty six makes it even more pointed when he said when Jesus says, Whoever follows me has to hate his mother and right. father. It's like, whoa, hey man, that sounds harsh. Well I think we're really um, offended by that and instead of being stunned by the beauty of what he's doing there, yeah. He is marrying us. Right. He's right. saying, you're part of my household now. Mm -hmm. doesn't yeah. mean that we really hate our families, but no. anything that comes between me and him mm -hmm. is a problem. And, yes, is a yeah, problem. Is a bad thing. Something because we are uh, one now. Yes. I could not agree so more. So it's really beautiful. So it's it should be beautiful. It should be seen as beautiful. Exactly. That's right. Um so, and the king will desire your beauty, kind of that Revelation 19, 7 idea where we have the bride, spotless bride, made ready for the king. And he, part of what is beautiful, what is attractive mm -hmm. about us is our complete commitment to him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think. I think so too. Absolutely. It's yeah, our hearts that are committed to him that, right. yeah, that entice uh, entice him toward us if anything does um, you know we're talking about God but you know be careful with my <laughs> words but this is the words he used to right. describe it says, he loves us he wants to come close and your father's house and the king will desire your beauty that exactly. just sounds to me like that commitment mm -hmm. that oneness that we have that's what makes you even yeah. more beautiful that's right yeah uh, uh, I think that's a fantastic way to see it absolutely since he is your lord bow to him bow to him um, that word for bow there might be better just to say live or show live for him um, sh show to him you know sh expose yourself completely mm -hmm. to him mm -hmm. um, maybe too so it's a 
it's definitely got some range, um, but those are appropriate. Even maybe thoughts. showing reverence mm-hmm. to him. Yeah, yeah, right. That would be part of it. Uh, the people of Tyre will seek your favor with gifts. The richest of the people. Now, here in verse twelve, the first people there is actually daughter, the daughter of Tyre. Um, so we've talked. We're talking about. We're already talking about the queen as a daughter, or the soon-to-be queen, right? Um, however we want to say it. Mm-hmm. Um, this one who's marrying him, daughter slash princess. Now we're talking about Tyre as a daughter. Those that daughter that she'll become like a handmaid mm-hmm. to this queen is kind of the idea, and she'll seek your favor with gifts, the richest of the people. She'll seek the bride's favor. She'll seek those. She'll want the bride's favor. Now, men like Augustine, Chrysostom in a, in a church history have said, have pointed out how Tyre here just represents the world of the Gentiles. Right. And I think so that's they're going an appropriate way to, to look at it. Yeah. And they, there will be yeah. times when they will seek the favor of God's people or bless them with some mm-hmm. quote-unquote tribute, gift Right. You know, um, and sometimes I think they don't realize they're doing it. Mm-hmm. You oh know? yeah, you know. I just think you, about that as people um, bring gifts to the wedding, and yeah, you know, people are blessing you. So these are foreign people; these are mm-hmm. Gentile people that mm-hmm. are gonna blessings will come through mm-hmm. them. Yes, to God's people. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. So verse 13, all glorious is the princess. We're going to keep talking about her, this the bride. All glorious is the princess in her chamber with robes interwoven with gold. In many colored robes she is led to the king with her virgin companions following behind her. With joy and gladness they are led along as they enter the palace of the king. So her, all the virgins with her, I think altogether these are, you know, we know there's one bride marrying one king, but by talking about her and all the virgins with her, we get a picture of the entirety of God's people as they are cleaned and spotless and all coming before Christ, their king. Okay. And what does gold represent? Well, pure, um, the ultimate purity, the ultimate, um, I guess you'd say the ultimate worthiness Okay. Uh, of the heavenly, yeah. you know, divinity in large part, even just divinity itself. When by the time, if you're going into from the outer court, then into the holy place, then into the holy of holies, in the outer court, you've got all this bronze. Mm-hmm. You step into the holy place. Now you got silver, silver footings all around you in the holy place. Which is kind of, you've got some. Um, it is actually redemption. Redemption. Silver yeah. is redeemed. That's right. I need that. Yeah. And redemption. And so then you've got some gold things in there too. Right. Some nice gold things in there. Um, but then when you pass into the Holy of Holies, now you've got gold everywhere and solid gold. Um, like the, the very throne of God itself, the uh, mercy seat right. is made of solid gold. And so now you're every step you take, you're getting gold, more gold, more more precious metals. Then some gold in the holy place, and then you're just gold, gold, gold. But by the time you get into the holy place, that's awesome. Um, so yeah. I, I just was wondering because you know we didn't talk about this part beforehand, but the robes interwoven with gold. Yeah, yeah. 
And so we've already seen how the queen mother is, or if she is the queen mother in verse nine, whatever she is, she's got gold above her. She's decked out in gold above her. Well, here the princess has her clothes in her world with gold too. So they're both, they're very attached to him uh, and they've got gold surrounding him because of it. And this many colored robes, as it says in the ESV, mm-hmm. I looked that up because I thought, oh, it's the same robes that Joseph uh, yeah. had on, mm-hmm. but it's not but the it's same not. words. Yeah, it's, uh, not. it's really more of an idea of like embroidered. Okay. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Well, the word is used again in Ezekiel 16, 10, That's right. where it is the one who uh, God had plans to marry in the future mm-hmm. she in, in Ezekiel 16 it gets really ugly because she plays around on him and starts horning around right. on him. but this is what he dresses her as when he wants to he's got a, his eyes set on her and he's right. going to marry her right uh, he so, so I'm always fascinated by the clothing mm-hmm. because I think that there's a lot going on the, with the garments saying through garments and yeah. he talks about it a lot yeah not so much about how people look mm-hmm. like their physical features no but what they're wearing is important so important when it comes to understanding who they are and what their hearts are like right and yeah. it talked about that in revelation when the bride comes in what she's dressed in mm-hmm. so yeah. I, I was just interested in this yeah so uh, i think it's awesome yeah it's a great study um, and then with joy and gladness, they are led along the bride and all her virgin companions. Verse 15, with joy and gladness, they are led along as they enter the palace of the king. Well, are we not led that way? Right. Oh my goodness. We're the ones who are being led with joy and gladness. We're the, we're the bride and the virgin um, daughters who yeah. get to companions who get we're to bri- the bridesmaids and the bride. That's right. We are. I mean, very much so. And, and being led by the spirit mm-hmm. into the presence of God in joy and gladness. That's yes. what's happening. Um, wow. That's Such beautiful. a beautiful picture. Yeah. Of this great thing that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Ooh, we're running out of time. Yeah, we're getting okay. close. <laughs> um, but just a last couple notes here. In place of your fathers shall be your sons. You will make them princes in all the earth. In verse 16. Well, Jesus did that in spades. Yes, I mean, the, absolutely. The, the, the ones who come into God's family as sons and daughters. We now are in the place of those uh, earthly fathers that Jesus had that line of kings mm-hmm. well now we're kings and queens we're the royal line mm-hmm. we are in the place of uh, as it were um, not some kind of <laughs> replacement theology uh, I want to make that clear that's not what we're talking about but because we're everything is consummated yes. yes now we um, uh, assume those roles mm-hmm. of the royal of royalty and I will cause your name to be remembered in all generations. Therefore, nations will praise you forever and ever. I especially when I read that, think of the apostles and, and you know, that they took the, the place in many ways, not like you said, replacement theology, but they became the new patriarchs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in the yeah, uh-huh. in the consummation of yes. the new covenant, they became yes. like new patriarchs. Exactly and right. Their names are remembered. Mm-hmm. Yes, and their names are remembered. So, and, for sure. And, and like you're saying, and that also is us in a way too. Mm-hmm. But I just that's easy for me to see with the mm-hmm. apostles. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's a great psalm. I really love this. It really is a great and song. very different and yeah, than what we've talked about before. 
And if you leave it on the level, if you just leave it on the level of humanity and a human king getting married to a human queen, then it's kind of okay. It's nice that it's、mm-hmm. in here, and you know maybe we can use get all the wedding, wedding feels once in a yeah. while. Yeah. yeah. But、uh, boy, if you take it to that Jesus level in his church,、mm-hmm. then the theology really pours out of it. Then you really start seeing more.、So. And I don't know how many of you have watched one of the royal weddings on、mm-hmm. TV, but this. Picture all, is all yeah, there, you know. All the pomp and circumstance、yeah. and everything. Yeah, you really get a sense, kind of a visual for the greatness, the grandness of what's taking place. Well,、okay. wonderful to talk to you guys. Thank you so much for listening again. If you want to take a look ahead, look into Psalm forty-nine, and we'll be at that one next.、Uh, a wisdom song,、uh, talking about the rich and what. What's going on with that?、Uh, can God see their hearts or not? What's going to happen to them?、Um, but let's let's take a look at that next time, and we will talk to you soon. We thank you so much for listening, for sharing with your friends, and we hope you have a great few days. God bless.